mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, God's Battle Plan. His scripture text to be taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Here now, Pastor Moody. I wanted to try to stay with the Christmas theme tonight, but not preach a Christmas message. Because I want to tell you that God has a plan. God has a plan that he had before the foundation of the world to bring salvation, to bring victory. We sing those old songs. We used to sing those old songs like victory in Jesus. And I'm on the battlefield for the Lord. And the reality is that God did give us victory in Christ. Can you say amen? I want to tell you, when you couldn't save yourself, God gave his only begotten son so that you could be saved. Amen. I think about this so often that we're not saved by by our works, that our righteousness would fail us because the Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags when we try to compare it to what God requires. God requires holiness. And holiness is not... Some people have made it out to be a set of rules and regulations and some man-made guidelines. I heard a preacher today, in fact, on the radio, uh, one of the syndicated preachers, and he said this. He said, holiness implies wholeness, wholeness, completeness. In Ephesians 4, the Bible says that God put a five-fold ministry in the church. And, of course, we know it's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher and that God put those in the church for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints until we become to, a, to the fullness of stature or to the completeness that God wants us to come to. Uh, in this journey of life, we're plagued. We're plagued with sin. We're born in sin. We're conceived in sin, David said. We're born with a sinful nature. The Bible even said that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it said the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God, but the gift of God is eternal life. And uh, so the Lord just, I just, this week I've been pondering this and I want to just, if I can shift this into a a different light, talking about Christmas, I want to talk to you about God's battle plan. That sounds all right. I want to talk to you about God's battle plan. God's plan to redeem fallen humanity. And how he brought it about. Amen. And I want to just read, uh, uh, maybe this will be an odd text for this, type of, for this time of year. But I'd like to go to Matthew chapter 28 and read verses 18 and following. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 28, 18, it said, And Jesus came and spake unto them, unto the disciples, saying, All power is given unto me. Say that with me. All power, authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I dare somebody to say he's in charge. 
Amen. He's in charge of it all. Amen. Go ye therefore, teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then he says in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, while you're involved in this ministry, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Father, thank you for your word, for the truth, for the goodness of God. And I pray tonight that you would use us just to, Lord, just share our heart and hopefully your heart with everyone here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I want to tell you that the problems of life and the problems that our world is facing now are monumental. I, I think anybody can see that. I think morally our, our world is in trouble. I think spiritually our world is living in darkness. Men are condemned to die without hope. Bible said it's appointed unto man, Hebrews 9.27, once to die. And after that, the judgment. I think that we have become so uh, aware of feelings and we've become so afraid of coming across harsh that we've allowed people to believe that they're all right the way they're living. When the scripture says that all of them are sinners and that Jesus said, if you die in your sin, where I am, you cannot come. And yet God sent his son, that offering to the world. He came as that babe in the manger. Uh, again, I was listening to somebody on the radio today, one of the singers that we were introducing a song and they said uh, so many times, you, if you would just stop and think how many times this question has been asked during this season, this one question, what do you want for Christmas? And I thought, now where's he going with this? And he said, probably everybody has asked that question of numerous people. What do you want for Christmas? And uh, then he said, but let's look at Jesus and let's ask him that question. He said, but no, let's not look in the manger. Let's look beyond the manger. He said, let's look at a young boy who grew up and never sinned, who at 12 years old astounded the scholars of the law with his wisdom and his understanding because he came from heaven. He said, let's look at the young man who began a ministry at 30 years old and did miracles that, that surpassed anything that's recorded in the Bible. He cast out devils. He healed the sick. One man said, it's never been seen that a man born blind could be made to see. I'm talking about Jesus. Can you say amen? He cleansed leprosy. Moses' law said, make them stand 40 feet back and shout, I'm unclean. But Jesus touched them and spoke to them and cleansed them of leprosy. Amen. Jesus cast out devils. And the entirety of the Old Testament, I've said this many times, there's very few, if any, instances that you could actually identify as someone being demon-possessed, maybe a couple that I can think of. Yet in the New Testament, when Christ came and Satan knew the prophecies of the time and knew that what Mike had said, he'd be born in Bethlehem, he observed what was going on. The star in heaven, David said, a scepter and a star will rise up out of David. 
And uh, so all of a sudden, Satan knew what was going on. So suddenly, now, when you fast forward to the New Testament, everywhere Jesus goes, there are myriads of demons. People are possessed, some of them by, by legions of devils. And yet Jesus just cast them out. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching about God's battle plan. All of a sudden, men who the Bible said lived in the fear of death, suddenly now that fear is cast off because Jesus could stop a funeral procession and raise a dead boy up from the, from the dead and give him back to his mother. Jesus could go to, to Jairus' house and the mourners were already weeping and Jesus said, why are you crying? She's just sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. And he put everybody out and him and he went in the room with death and defeated him and raised that girl from the dead. Come on, somebody. He spoke in tongues and said, Talitha Kumai, which means damsel arise. Then he went to the tomb of Lazarus, dead four days. Jewish custom said when they've been dead three days, amen, that, uh, that there's no more hope. It's past hope now. And when Jesus got there and they said, Lord, he's been dead four days, he said, roll the stone away. Somebody said, Lord, by now he stinketh. In other words, he's decaying. It's not too late. Jesus shouts his name and says, Lazarus, come forth. Hallelujah. I remember years ago, one old preacher said, if you hadn't called him by name, everybody in that graveyard would have got up. Would have got up. Can you say amen? He had that much authority in his voice. I'm talking about God's battle plan. And yet we hear today in America, we live in a time when our God, I believe Brother Rob is, he may be the most misrepresented and misunderstood of all beings. People don't really understand he is God. They don't, they don't grasp the characteristics of Christ and of the Father and of the Holy Spirit, who they really are. I want to say this. Uh, can I say it? There's three distinct attributes that apply only to him. If you're a Bible student, you've heard these probably hundreds of times, but they bear repeating tonight. First of all, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's providential. He's in control. Every knee bows before him. Amen, even when Satan himself, we fear devils and we fear evil and we fear wicked, but, but even when Satan himself walked into the throne room to, amen, on the, in Job chapter one, he was only allowed to speak when spoken to. He was only allowed to go as far as God would allow him to go with Job, can you say amen? Isaiah said, I saw him kicked out of that place. Jesus said, I saw him fall. I want to tell you that God is omnipotent and God alone. I want to tell you this, that in the midst of a day when we don't know the answers to the, to the different variants of the COVID, when we don't know the answers to the political corruption, we don't know the answers to the, to the, to the uh, wars and rumors of wars and the strife that's in every nation, we don't know the, 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 the answer to, the, to the, uh, uh, the, the conflicts that are between not just nations but against, uh, between uh, uh, races and different religions. We don't know the answers. Come on, somebody. We don't know the solution. But can I shout it? God is omniscient. He knows everything. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Come on, act like we're in a Sunday morning 11 o'clock service. Come on, get in with me here. He's omniscient. I got good news for you. You don't need to. There's not anything that can baffle your mind that God doesn't already have the answer to. The Bible said he knows what you need before you ask. The Bible said, before you call, he will answer. Why, when you get to tomorrow, can I shout he's already there? 
Come on, because he's omnipotent, he's omniscient. And, and can I say this? He's omnipresent. We live in this thing called time. I deal with it every day. We, we, uh, in, uh, over the years, I've preached hundreds of funerals, maybe, maybe thousands, I'm not sure exactly. But I've been to the graveyard so many times and I've seen hundreds and thousands of tombstones. You know what every one of them say to me? Every one of them say this person was born this day and they, bore, and they died that day and that period in between, in between there was something they knew as time. It was the time they had to live. It was the time they had to get to know God. It was the time they had to get saved. But after you die, the Bible, says you can do no business from a grave. But let me tell you about my God. He transcends time. He lives in the, in the past. He's already in the future. He's eternal. Come on, somebody. He, can I shout it? He's omnipresent. David said, if I ascend to heaven, he's there. If I go into the heart of the earth, into hell, he's there. If I sail out into the deep of the ocean, there he is. Glory to God. I remember as a boy when the first uh, uh, one of the astronauts went out into outer space for the first time and one of them radioed back and said you can feel the presence of God out here you can touch his face come on he's there what's that mean that means that that a sinner living in time guilty condemned amen under the oppression of darkness can come to Christ and God can come to where you are lift your sin off of your life carry it back to Calvary put it on Jesus and he dies for it come on somebody pays for it I'm talking about God's battle plan and then he can take the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus and carry it to the altar where you are and impute it to you. Amen. The Bible said he made us, he made him who knew no sin to become sin so we could become the righteousness of God. I'm telling you, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do what God can do. Come on, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient and glory to God, he's omnipresent. Give him praise, would you? Isaiah said it, and I, you know, he, he's timeless, he's ageless, he knows the, the end of a thing from the beginning. Isaiah 46 and 10 said, declaring, he declares it. God doesn't just know it, he, he, he speaks it. He declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all of my pleasure. Listen, he has plans for you. God has a plan for your life. I want you to get a hold of this. God has a plan for your children's life, for your friend's life. Can I shout it? God has a plan for the drug addict's life that's out there in the street tonight that may not live till morning. I know a girl that went to her grandmother's house and uh, uh, her she had broken up with her boyfriend who was her enabler, her drug supplier, and he had brought her some drugs and she wouldn't have anything to do with him and she went in the bathroom of her grandmother's house. She shut the door. She she shot heroin into her veins. He loaded her up with a dose to kill her. And after a while, that old grandmother sitting there got worried about her and couldn't get the door open because she'd fallen in the floor, called the paramedics. They came back. Are you hearing me? And they got the door open. They got in there. She was gone. No pulse, no response. And one of them told the grandmother, we're too late. But the other one said, let me try one more time. Are you hearing me? God, I'm, I'm going to give God the praise that grandmother was 
praying. God raised that girl up. Can I give you a good report? She's alive today. She lives in Missouri. She Thank God she's off of drugs. She's raising her children. Are you hearing me? She knows Jesus. I want to tell you, God has a plan. Thank God. And he knows the end of the thing from the beginning. And he's got a plan for you. Jeremiah 29 and 11, very famous scripture. He said, I know the thoughts, amen, that I think about you towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, amen, and not of evil to give you an expected end. This God knows exactly where you are and what you are, and he has a plan for your life. So this is God's battle plan. He came from nowhere and created everything. And in the midst of a sin-cursed dark world controlled, as I said Sunday, by, by a cruel empire called Rome, God allowed a baby to be born and laid in a manger. In Genesis 1 and 27, it says that God made man in his own image, made him ruler over the earth, gave him dominion over every living thing that moves upon the earth. In Genesis 2 and 7, it said God formed man out of the dust of the earth by his own hands, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. Then God planted a garden in Eden. I want you to hear this. And he put that man there. He put him to sleep. He opened up his side, took a rib, made a woman out of him. Amen. To be his help meet. They were complete. They were perfect. I want to believe, I want to say this. I believe that that first Adam could talk to animals. The Bible said he named every one of them. He had a communication ability beyond anything man has ever seen. Uh, they tell me that a genius uses just a small percentage of their brain capability. I believe Adam used 100% before the fall. He could control the elements. Are you hearing me? He was a God-like being. He was made in the image of God, which means like God. God gave him dominion over everything. Amen. And then I, I want to tell you, gave them everything they needed in that garden, everything that was pleasant for food. Are you hearing me? He said to that man, it's not good for you to be alone. Put him to sleep. Made, took that rib. Made that woman. But the Bible said to be a help meet for him. And the word meet means suitable for him. To complete him. To make him what he needed to be. And it said he created man. Male and female. God had a perfect plan. Are you hearing me? But then the enemy came in. And he deceived that woman. And by transgression that first Adam fell. But I'm telling you that in that manger that night was the last Adam that came to redeem everything that the first Adam lost, hallelujah. And our victory really is in Jesus, amen. I really wanna to preach tonight, but I really just wanna calm down and, and say some things to you. In Genesis, the war begins in chapter three. That's when the fall happens. That's when God comes looking for him and says, where are you, Adam. Remember that, and Adam says, I'm hiding. Why are you hiding, Adam? Because we're naked. They'd always been naked. Who told you you were naked? This really doesn't mean naked physically. It really means that we have found ourselves ashamed with no covering. Our righteousness is gone. It's exactly what it means. So the war begins. The war for humanity. 
fallen angels take unto them the daughters of men some years later and giants are born. They're trying to corrupt the, the righteous seed, amen, from Adam through Seth that Christ would come from. So God commands Noah to build an ark and Noah and his family, his sons and their wives entered the ark and the scripture says this, that Noah was a just man but he was perfect in his generations. That means his genealogy. He wasn't perfect in the way that he lived. He was a good man but he wasn't a perfect man. He had a fallen Adamic nature but what he did didn't have was a corrupted genealogy. No demons had entered in. I'm going to tell you, God has a way of blocking demons. Can you say amen? God has a way of blocking Satan. I want to tell you that what was laid in that manger that night was the blood of the sacrifice that would cover us and keep us clean and secure our salvation. Amen. From the powers of darkness. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 said, as he hath chosen us and him before. Somebody say before, the foundation of the world that we should be holy, amen, and without blame before God in love. How many like to see what holy looks like? How many saved tonight? Hold your hand up. Just look around at the people that's got their hand up. You're looking at holy. Now, you might say, preacher, I follow them around. I can find fault with them, and I can find fault with you. And you can find fault with me. But the one you can't find fault in is Jesus. Can you say amen? And he's the one that we're abiding in tonight. Amen. We're saved by his grace. Listen, I wrote this down. I said, proving that God is real is easy. It's easy. Just see the evidence of a changed life everywhere you look around. Proving that God is not real is impossible. You gotta be a fool to say there's no God. That's what the scripture said. But God is real. He's a savior. He's a God that loves. Look at the, uh, at the heart of the Father. In Deuteronomy 7 and 6, he said, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did set his love upon you. And uh, listen, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. He's talking to Israel here for you were the fewest. But because the Lord loved you, because he would keep an oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord that brought you out with a mighty hand redeemed you from the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, talking to Israel, said, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. I've got good news. If you're saved and you've entered into covenant with God tonight through Jesus Christ, God loves you and hell has no power or not even a right to even come against you because that's who God is. Jeremiah 31 3 said, The Lord hath appeared unto me of old, saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you, pulled you to me. Romans 5 and 8 said, God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners, and Christ died for us. You know, we don't want to deal with sin. But sin is poison. Sin is death. Can somebody the wages of sin is death? And so when we preach the gospel and we share a loving God and a loving Jesus, the Bible says this it's the goodness of God in Romans that brings men to repentance. And Jesus said, Except you repent, you'll perish. 
So the quandary is we can be seeker-friendly or socially acceptable or, or please the world, or we can stand and preach a loving God to a dying people and let the grace of God pull them to Christ and see them saved. It's God's battle plan. You see, the manger that night was not the beginning of Jesus because John 1 and 1 said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. But the manger was the revelation or the revealing of God incarnate. It was the fulfilling, amen, of, of uh, Abraham's vision on, or, or what he saw on the mountain when he went to offer up Isaac when he said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, will provide himself a sacrifice. And so in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh, and it dwelt among us. And, and John said, and we saw his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The manger was the revealing of Christ and God's plan. John 14 and 8, Philip said, to Jesus, show us the Father, and it suffices us. And Jesus said, have I been with you all this time, and you don't know me, Philip? For you've seen the Father. He that has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you ask me? Show us the Father. God's battle plan is in place. The heart of the Father has been exposed. Can, can I say this? When you love somebody, you will make yourself vulnerable to them. You'll be transparent with them. Do you know why marriages break up a lot of times? Most of the time it's not because of infidelity or because, you know, money problems, that, that stuff adds to it. But generally the reason marriages break up is because there's no, there's no accountability, no transparency, and no communication. When you start hiding things from each other, marriage is in trouble. Can I get a witness? But God says, I want you to know you can't hide anything from me. And when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. 1 Timothy 3.16 said, For without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness because God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and then received up in the glory. That literally means that God came here was laid in that manger, lived here, walked among us, showed us the power of the kingdom, the majesty, showed us the love of God. But for God so loved the world, when we asked, Lord, how much do you love me? He just stretched his arms. Let him nail him to a cross and said this much. I want to tell you the power of the cross is greater than the power of hell. Greater than the power of bondage, darkness. And fear, perfect love cast out fear. Even cast out devils. Jesus said a strong man keeps his house, talking about demons, until a stronger comes. And when the stronger comes, he kicks him to the curb and takes up residence. And he walks through dry places seeking rest and can't find any. And if he comes back to that house and finds it empty, if that person has backslid and the Holy Spirit's not there anymore, he'll get seven demons worse than himself and come in. And the end of that person is worse than the beginning. And somebody said, you can get saved. You can't ever lose this. Hello. Be careful. Be careful. Because God's battle plan is for you to live in victory. Let me say this. Jesus said, you've seen the Father. 
You had his commandments. You had his law. You had his old covenant. You've seen him in me. But he said, now, I'm going back to the Father in John 14. And he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. And when he comes, he will abide with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. Everything else, if, if the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, everything else is a lie. Are you hearing me? Everything else, if he's light, everything else is darkness. If Christ is salvation, everything else is lost. Every other religion, there's not many ways to God, there's one way to God. Am I preaching all right? Can I tell you there's only one way to hold on to God's plan? That's to stay in. So Jesus said, I'm going to pray the Father. He'll give you another comforter, John 14 and 16. Amen. And, uh, that, he, and that he may abide with you forever. Look at verse 17. He's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it, it doesn't see him. Neither does it know him. But you know him because he dwells in you and shall be in you. Now, I want to say this. Jesus said, in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I want to tell you about the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you about the Holy Spirit. He's in you when you're saved. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Everybody gets saved. The Holy Spirit comes in, does the work we know is regeneration. You're born again by the Spirit. Paul said, you're baptized by the Spirit into the body. You become part of Christ. And then there's a baptism in the Holy Ghost or with the Holy Ghost for power, for witnessing. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit moved in you the day you got saved. Can I shout this? He don't aim to leave. Jesus said he'll abide with you forever. And the only thing that can separate between you and him is sin. Amen? So he said, I'll not leave you comfortless. He said, I'll come to you. And he said, these things I've spoken unto you being yet present with you. Listen to verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, when he gets here, he's going to teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything that I've said. Isn't it amazing before Pentecost how recklessly Christ's own disciples handled the truth? How they behave. Do you know, even while he was with them, they were arguing over who was going to be in charge? Have you ever read that? They were arguing over who was going to sit on his right hand. Even in heaven, they were arguing about, I'm going to have this place in heaven. I'm going to have this place. And Jesus said, Listen, whoever's going to sit on, even their mother got involved in it. Hello? Trying to argue their, their case. And, and Jesus said, It's not mine to give you. You don't need to worry about that. And even Peter, he looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Peter didn't want him to die. He's trying to rebuke Jesus. Get behind me. I'm talking about God's battle plan. God's plan was ordained before the foundation of the world that when man would sin, God would send a Savior and he would come and teach us what holiness is and what it means to be in relationship with God and how to deal with devils. And I know years ago they wrote books called Pigs in the Parlor. I don't know if you've ever heard of that stuff about Christians being demon-possessed and demons everywhere. Everything was a demon and most of it was not a demon. Are you hearing me? But I'm here to tell when the Holy Ghost comes he's God he lives in you he'll stay there forever as long 
as you hold on to him. And so Jesus said, he'll bring all things to your remembrance is whatever I've said to you. Then verse 27, and he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world. Listen, the peace that the world gives is short-lived. Huh? I don't know if I'm preaching good or y'all are just listening. I'm just, y'all are quiet tonight. I'm going to give you peace, not like the world. The peace that the world gives is short-lived. I mean, if you've ever been married, you know that. Some days it's heaven on earth, and some days you walk in the house, you feel a cool breeze blowing through the house. It's all right. Come on. Sometimes iron sharpens iron. Ain't that right, Chester? Conflict makes us better. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you real peace. Not what the world, he said, listen, don't let your heart be troubled. Neither be afraid. In, in 1 John 4 and 4, John is referring to the fact that the spirit of Antichrist is in the world and their Antichrist have come and they're already here. And you know what he says? But he says in 1 John 4 and 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcame them because greater is he that's in you. He that's in the world. And uh, that just says to me, God's battle plan is victory comes from within. I was, I didn't have this in my notes, but I was thinking there a moment ago and I kind of looked it up about a battle when Jehoshaphat was invaded by the Moabites and they were outnumbered, which is usually the way it went. And uh, the scripture said that uh, God spoke to him through a man by the name of Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, and he was a prophet. And the Spirit of God came up on him in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken, ye all Judah, and all ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord, be not afraid. Remember what Jesus said? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I'm going to read a little more in a minute, but I'm going to say this. You want to do an interesting Bible study? Look up the word dismayed in the Bible and everywhere it uses it. Everywhere it uses it, be not dismayed, which means disheartened. Don't be ready to give up. Don't feel like you don't have a chance. Because everywhere that it uses that phrase, be not dismayed, you know what it says? It says God is right there. It says God is there for you. He's fighting for you. He's taking care of you. God is in the midst of you. God's lording over you. God is watching over you. It's like before you even get concerned about the battle, just remember who God is. Is this all right? And so he, he, he tells them, don't be, don't be dismayed and uh, don't be afraid by reason of this great multitude because the battle's not yours, it's God's. And he said, tomorrow I want you to go down against them and behold, they'll come up. He told them which way they will come up by the cliff of Ziz. And you shall find at the end of the brook before the Jerusalem of wilderness, wilderness of Jeruel, you'll find them. And you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, 
and see the salvation of the Lord, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. There it is again tomorrow. Go out against them, for the Lord, there here it is, will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord worshiping him. And the scripture said that uh, God, when he says he, back down in verse 21, it says that he consulted, Jehoshaphat did with the people, and appointed, now isn't this a strange way to fight a battle? There's an innumerable army out there, and he's put singers, he appointed singers to the Lord that they should go out in front of them and praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army and to, and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And they began to sing and to praise. And the Lord said ambushments among the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. And they, when they come against Judah, and they were smitten. They were killed. They were destroyed. And the whole point was God's battle plan is for us to always remember holiness unto the Lord. We belong to him. We give him our lives. We walk in his peace. We realize that Jesus came to that manger, to this earth, to live that life of holiness, to die in our place that we might be saved. Brother Nick, if you would, come on. So let me say this about the ministry of the church. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus, the disciples showed him all the buildings of the temple. And they were just talking about how impressive they were, and Jesus said, I'm going to tell you not one stone's going to be left upon the other. And they said, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? In other words, are you going to dethrone Caesar? Are you going to give us the kingdom back? Jesus said, the times and seasons that God has in his control, you don't need to know it. How many glad you don't always know God's plan? If we always knew God's plan, we'd probably try to get ahead of him and mess it up. But he said this, but you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And Acts 2.21 said, and it'll come to pass that whosoever shall call on the, on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul said in Colossians chapter two, and you, verse 13, you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. That law that condemned us, that's what it's talking about. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Amen. And having spoiled principalities, powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it it literally means that when we take the gospel to a lost person the law that condemned them the devils that controlled them the circumstances the situations that crippled them we live in one of the most prosperous maybe the most prosperous nation in the world but almost, but almost on every street corner where there's traffic, there's somebody holding a sign saying, I'm homeless, I'm hungry, I'm broken. And we can roll our eyes and say, well, no need for that. 
what you need to understand, you're where you are by the grace of God. And if it wasn't for Jesus, that could be me standing out there on the street corner, holding up a cardboard sign, saying I'm hungry, I'm homeless, and I need help. It could be me out yonder somewhere laying in a bar drunk tonight. We're in a grave, we're overdosed on something. But I want to tell you that God has made us more than conquerors. And everything that held us back, He conquered it. Can I get a witness? How many glad nothing could keep you away from the cross when Jesus called you? Nothing can. Nothing can keep me from being victorious tonight. Oh, silent night, holy night. Amen. Oh, come let us adore him. Hallelujah. Let's realize that he was the king. Noel, he was Emmanuel. Can you say amen? Noel means behold. Look, look what God did. He did it for us. That's his battle plan. Can I tell you, I've read the book. I've been all the way to the end. John Michael, can I tell you the good news? We win. We win. Come on, give me a hand clap. Yeah, we win. Hallelujah. You know why we win? Because he is the champion. And the battle's not ours, it's his. And when he comes back, every devil, every demon, every power of darkness, he will destroy it with the sword of his mouth and the brightness of his coming. Because he's God. So I come to call you tonight to victory. I come to call you tonight to victory. How many's got problems tonight in your life? Just hold your hand up right now. Everybody's got problems. We got some kind of problems. There might be financial problems, physical problems, spiritual problems, domestic problems, marriage problems, kid problems, parent problems. I mean, there's all kinds of messed up people everywhere. Could you believe it? There's messed up people in the church. And instead of coming to the one that's won the victory and worshiping him and singing of the beauty of holiness under God. And remember, holiness is more connected to wholeness than it is to appearance. People get mad at me when I preach like that. We don't want you to say that. We want you to hobby horse and preach on how we look. Listen, I'm, you know, I preached a funeral one time for a guy that was a, had been the president of one of the largest motorcycle clubs in Kentucky. They were some rough outfits. And I preached his funeral. God gave me favor with those people and I saw tears running down the faces of some of the hardest men you'd ever saw and we buried him I won't tell you where we buried him I'm not allowed to but when we got there one of those men walked up to me and he said I want to talk to you preacher I said okay he said look at me so I looked at him and there wasn't a place on his skin that wasn't covered with tattoos even his eyelids his hands, his arms, inside and out. He said, I have on full body armor. He said, that means my whole body, every part of my body is tattooed. He said, I've been in tattoo magazines. I'm thinking, and what's the, what's the rest of this? Tattoos don't impress me, neither do they turn me off. You hearing me? I'm worried about that soul in that man. I'll never forget it. He said, I grew up like you grew up. I said, oh, really? You don't know how I grew up. 
At least I'm assuming you grew up in church. I said, wrong. There was times I was in church, but I said, until I was 25, I was an American heathen. And he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I was a preacher's kid. My dad was the pastor. And he said, I grew up and got rebellious. And he said, I've done everything you can imagine. He said, I've done stuff you can't even imagine. I said, I don't doubt that. Came up in his eye. And he said, But about three years ago, he said, I met Jesus. He said, I mean, I really, he said, I heard about him all my life. But three years ago, he said, He came into my heart. And he said, I'm saved. I said, Well, glory. He said, What would your church think if I walked in? They'd shout, Hallelujah. I said, We'd be glad to have you. I said, Come share your testimony with them. His eyes got big. I said, you see, because our victory is not in whether or not we have a tattoo. Y'all heard my story when I got drafted. My little grandmother with tears made me promise her I wouldn't get tattoos. Because everybody that went in the military got a tattoo and she, she believed if you got a tattoo, you couldn't go to heaven. So she made me promise her and I kept my promise to granny. But it's not about a tattoo or not a tattoo. It's about making the king the Lord of your life. And people that might be watching tonight if we're live streaming, there's real victory in Jesus. He's more than a conqueror. And he said, I give you peace, not like the world gives, but my peace. How many's glad of that tonight? And said hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.